Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 30 Questions, a show where each week we ask 30 questions about each episode of the new series on Disney+. Plus. I am your host, Adam Portress, and joining me today, he's living in a base on the moon, sweet Shanza Kovacs from the internet. Is that why it's so cold here? <laughs> and he, too, is a 108-year-old man, Bruce Leslie. I consider mooning someone third base. That, well, hey, you know, you got to get somewhere, and that's if you, you do it however you want to do it. You know, be yourself. <laughs> well, we are back. Uh, this show used to be WandaVision 30 Questions, but all of our Marvel 30 Questions show will remain on this channel. So uh, thanks for staying subscribed for those of you that listened to the past episode. If this is your first episode, hey, we've got other episodes about WandaVision on this exact same feed. So go check all that good stuff out. Uh, here on the show, just to give you a quick uh, idea of everything, we do have 30 questions about each particular show that we're talking about. Uh, these questions could be just about darn near anything. And, of course, you can uh, participate there as well. Email us at marvel30q at gmail.com if you would like your questions on the show. So let's get into it, Boys Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Episode 1 of Season 1, entitled New World Order. Our first question actually comes to us from a listener. Uh, he comes, it's uh, Joe S., and I think it is important that we get this one out of the way before this series starts. Joe asks, listening to some WandaVision wrap-up podcast, I've heard a few people say Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, that's where we're going to get mutants. Why are some people trying to rush mutants into Marvel? Uh, then one of their best attributes is patience. I think people just want them. I think people just want them, man. People are like that. Uh, I'm glad I'm not this way, but sometimes a person will bear trap on an idea and they just can't <laughs> let it go. You're not that kind of person at all. Uh, you know, it's it's the difference between leaving leave them wanting more and people just like it, it's the difference between an audience member and someone who is creating. Is that you? You know, you can't give people everything they want. Otherwise, it's just a miserable, horrible failure. Um, and so one of the things that Marvel has done very well, like Joe says, is they've paced it out. You know, I mean, we're we're 10 years in and Marvel still feels just actually it feels fresher than it did when they started. Yeah, it's kind of weird. <laughs> I think people watching movies don't know what they want is is the truth i think it's just like uh anyone you're dating regardless of of gender sexual orientation or cultural background people genuinely don't really know what they want they think they know what they want then they get it and they end up miserable after a while and i think rushing the mutants in and getting something that is let's just say a three-month concept versus something that's maybe an 18-month concept you're going to get a different quality of introduction and as uh, cheesy people who sell stuff always say, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Yeah, I think that's one of the, uh, like, like you said, one of the big things that Marvel is doing correct. And man, if they build out the anticipation uh, for the X-Men universe and all the Fox stuff and whatnot, if they build that anticipation for that, if they leave some breadcrumbs along the way, and when we finally get that, it will have that giant payoff feeling. And that's a thing that, you know, let's just call it out. DC has a big problem doing because they tried to do so many things at once. It's a great idea on paper. It seems like it's like, Oh, well look at this. We'll have all the things and that'll be perfect. But you, if you're missing a lot of the context and stuff, it it's not going to be as uh, satisfying as if uh, they kind of 
really structure it like they want to, as opposed to we got to slam this in because we have all the rights and stuff now. And I guess back to the first part of that question, I don't have any feeling like this is the appropriate place to introduce mutants. No, no, this feels like the last place to do that. I, I, yeah. I, I'm, to me, that's one of the more exciting parts about this series as opposed to WandaVision, because we had a lot of theories and questions and things uh, with WandaVision. This feels like it's, you know, same universe, but is so separated from that idea that I think the, the idea of mutants even coming into this may seem a little bit foreign and strange. Watch like episode five mutants will start happening. But well, I mean, there is the there is the one exception to this, which is that, you know, in the comics, Wolverine fought alongside Captain America in World War Two. And so, I mean, that's a little bit of it, but I, I don't want to see that in this. I, you know, it, it's the show is not a mystery box show. No. Right. The show is a pretty straightforward telling and and they're doing they're, 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 I mean, they're making a buddy cop movie and that's great. Like, I, 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 I'm very much going to enjoy the ride for the next five episodes. Yeah, this this show is more of trying to figure out how it will happen rather than what will happen. I think. Right. Yeah, it's right. very much the journey here. Let's go to question two. Was this a safer uh, was this a safer start? A stronger start or both than Marvel's previous streaming series, WandaVision? Well, I, you guys know that I was not the biggest fan of WandaVision. So this question, keep keep in mind who's answering this question currently. <laughs> uh, I love this. I love everything about this show. This show is, you know, if I am, I, I don't know if you would call me someone who is like more in the middle of uh, geekdom. Like, you know, like I, I, I know, I know a lot about Marvel and stuff, but I, I don't know everything about it. You know, that's why Bruce is here. But I think that this is, this is a fastball for me. I love these characters. I love the way they're, they're headed with this. I like that there's a little bit of intrigue. It feels a little missional mission impossible, which I, I enjoy greatly. Mm -hmm. This is this show is custom built for me, whereas WandaVision was way, way more of a curveball. And it it wasn't it just wasn't my jam. You know, I, I'm not a huge fan of magic or wizards or any of that garbage. And so like to have a show that's just a straightforward. Hey, that dude's got awesome wings. That guy, <laughs> his his arm is super strong because it's a robot. I'm like, yep, all in, baby. Yeah, you know, to me, that's no different than magic, but, you know, it's just all a matter of, like, uh, what chair you're sitting in when you're watching something, you know? Sure, sure. Yeah, I think the opening for this was what a lot of people, uh, maybe not for WandaVision specifically, but as the idea of a Marvel show coming in, I feel like this is much more aligned with what people would have expected a Marvel show to be from the get of go. We open up with this great action scene and stuff, so you, you already know, like, oh, Okay, this is going to be very much in the vein of things that we're aware of in the in the uh, universe and stuff previously. It's not throwing you that curveball, and but yet at the same time, we still push that story along. There is a little bit of intrigue going on. We need to see where things are going, and so they they rope you in with that great action at the start, and then we kind of continue to uh, sow the seeds for what's uh, about to come in the coming episodes. Well, that's one of the things that that really impressed me is right out of the gate. We get, I, I, in my memory, and maybe this is just recency bias. I can't remember seeing an action scene this great in at least a year, 
you know, and we've seen a lot of, of the lesser superhero movies that have come out in the last year, you know, wonder woman, 1984, uh, all the Netflix stuff that we've watched over the past year, uh, that terrible new mutants movie. This is, this is so inventive with its fight choreography. I was so impressed with not only, and I mean, you know, like you kind of have to get past, Hey, that guy with a mechanized flight suit is, is, is having a hard time keeping up with the guys who have like the little wings on the side of their (laughs) suit. Like that's a little hard to believe. However, them going in and out of all of these helicopters and stuff. So inventive, so fun to watch that I, I could have, I could have kept watching that. It's very fun to watch that opening scene. And uh, immediately I was like, yep, this is for, this is for sweet Shanzi right here. That's, that's what I, I mean. I had that same thing when we're up in the air and things are starting. I was, I, well, I don't want to say I was for sure, but I was kind of ready for the sort of same old, same old that we've seen in these kinds of, uh, you know, shows and stuff. But going from the plane to the helicopter to the helicopter, very inventive. I can't say that I've seen anything quite like that before. And, you know, this far into our cinema history, when someone can show you something on the screen that you haven't seen before, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, that is true. It's getting awful hard to do anything new this day. And I don't know, I'm listen, obviously there's, you know, a ton of CGI and stuff going on here, but there are a couple shots where I swear to you, they jumped out of a plane or something. And if they didn't, my God, we have really started to get to that uh, super amazingly good CGI. What they actually did is they jumped into a plane and reversed the footage. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Hold really stiff so it feels like you're flying right into there. (laughs) Tough to do that backwards action. Ask Bruce Campbell. Question number three, Sean. Uh, question three, and there is a correct answer to this, so so think about it, guys. Who's more handsome, Falcon or Winter Soldier? So we're not talking about Bucky. We're talking about Winter Soldier. Ooh, a uh, curveball. Well, Different well, haircuts, man. I had a question about the haircut that I think got axed, so it makes a difference to me. Well, it, it, it is not different. Oh. You can frame your face however you'd like. <laughs> But it's 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 Bucky and Sam Falcon Winter Soldier. Who is better looking? Oh, so it's basically Anthony Mackie or Sebastian Stan. Yes. Okay, <laughs> good. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't a trick buried here somewhere. I'd trade places with either one of them, man. I'm not qualified to comment. <laughs> no kidding. Like this is like this this is how you get your ladies into your superhero <laughs> don't, don't, shows. Don't you love how I tried to get so much detail and then I had no answer? Like I, like I was, let me, let I don't me parse this out as far as I possibly can. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's like the the person that asks a million questions about your house and says they're not really in the market after three months. <laughs> Oh, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, we've decided to go elsewhere. It's tough because both of these guys are just like, just super handsome fellas. And I I don't, it's, it's a tough one, but maybe Anthony Mackie, because like that, his, his facial hair is just too perfect. I love it so much. And like, there's something about that guy where he just has, this goes beyond looks really it's it's really his charisma they both got it but man oh man do i I do does it just leap off of that guy i want to disagree with you just a little bit adam i would say both of these guys are handsome but not super handsome they're like hollywood sevens real world tens but they're hollywood sevens so so that's why there's some room here where a person's sort of uh you know whatever a person's uh particular 
kink might be might come into play or something like if you're really into metallic digits you're gonna go one way if you're into wings you're gonna go another <laughs> i'm a wing man well <laughs> I, I i'm sorry to drop the hammer but bruce you were totally wrong oh okay the answer is anthony mackie and here's why it is very easy to look cool and what Sebastian Stan is wearing throughout the show and previous incarnations of his character. Yeah. It is impossibly difficult to look cool while wearing that Falcon outfit and still <laughs> looking like, 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 like a major badass like he does. Anthony Mackey is able to pull something off that maybe let's say five people in the world could pull off looking cool as dressed as Falcon. And he totally does it. It's Anthony Mackie and it's not even close. Yeah. I think I'd agree with Point that. Point made. I can't argue with that. You're right. He looks cooler in the wings than I would. <laughs> <laughs> not as cap, not, not as capable, but better looking. That's all we're saying. Uh, let's go on to question number four here. Speaking of uh, these manly men, uh, what's the over-under for shirtless leads in this uh, series? Now, when you say leads, that means the maximum number is two, right? There's two leads? Technically, I mean, there may be, I mean, if we're counting, I, I think we'll have at least two major villains that maybe uh, that we could put under that umbrella. And I think one of the major villains will be female, so I'm going to say three then. Ooh, <laughs> I'm going to keep watching. <laughs> Uh, is it going to be anywhere nearly as much as the flamethrower arm in Mandalorian? <laughs> nowhere near that. <laughs> and it's not going to compare. It's not going to compare to the number of times we saw naughty bits in the first season of uh, Snowpiercer either. It'll be a far cry from that. <laughs> there were only there were only two episodes where they didn't have the, the flamethrower yes. arm in two seasons of Mandalorian. So I don't <laughs> know that anyone can crack that one. But uh, I feel like we're we're bound to get some some uh, hot shirtless moments uh, several times. I, I'm going to say we're, I'm going to say we're going to cap out pun intended at two episodes. Because it's it's like once they go shirtless, you can't put those shirts back on or people get upset. So they got to hold it till the end. So the last two episodes, totally shirtless, the entire cast. What movie would do things off. like that? You know, I don't know. <laughs> pop a shirt off. The uh, the I, I think that when you put this much effort into looking like these two gentlemen do, it, it's kind of like, wouldn't you be shirtless? Yeah. Like, you know, think of all the time and effort that these guys put into their body so that they would look awesome in these costumes in the first place. It seems like 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 lost, like lost money. Like, what, Pop the shirt off. Yeah. <laughs> do you think do you think it would help my YouTube channel if I did more shirtless videos? Oh, absolutely. It would. Yeah. Let's uh, <laughs> I'll be get... right back, guys. <laughs> episodes. There, we, everybody knows that one dude who is kind of jacked, who's always just like, uh, you know, let's play shirts and skins. And we're like, this is chess, bro. <laughs> it's terrible. I didn't see where that one was going, Adam. Those, I got to I gotta admit. Those people are always around. Just be like, oh, I'll just uh, let me just pop this off real quick. Uh, just, you know. Whatever. I hate those guys uh, because I'm jealous, really. Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. Yeah, I'm trying to embrace my inner. What's his name? Burt Kirshner. He's happy in underpants and he's in terrible shape. Yeah, so Burt, I need to Burt Kreischer. That. Yeah. Yeah. Number five. Was that a reappearance of Batroc the Liber or do all French people look alike to me? I love Batroc. Here. Here is. Here's the thing. Uh, I knew we were in for something pretty great when he showed up. Because he is dynamite in Winter Soldier and uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. And he's and, and he, of course, is great in this as well. So that is him. That was not a gag question. Totally, totally him. The cast. George okay. totally Pierre him. coming back. 
And yeah, St. Pierre. And the, the thing that I love about this character is that it is so ingrained in me. Batroc is so ingrained in me, almost like to a Bruce level, because the first comic book I ever bought with my own money was, <laughs> was a Batroc Captain America comic book where Captain America is like chained to the front of a boat. And, and, and was, was Batroc still kind of like the goofy wearing a beret Batroc? No, he had, oh. but he, I mean, he was goofy, but he wasn't wearing a, <laughs> he wasn't wearing a, a, a beret. He had the big pointy eye mask and, you know, purple and yellow and ridiculous. Yeah. I, I'm a, I'm a George St. Pierre fan. I was a fan of him in UFC. I always thought he was like a great fighter and uh, it always appears a super nice guy. And, and I, I love that when, uh, you know, these violent, crazy, you know, fighters and everything are like, oh, no, I'm just a really nice, soft touch human being and everything. I just destroy men in the octagon, though. Uh, but to see him back, I, I always love it because we have a it's a native French guy. So, like, you know, he's he's not trying to uh, put on some sort of accent or anything. And all of the action looks fantastic because, you know, the guys had 30 years of you know martial arts training and stuff. So, of course, he's going to be pretty darn good at that stuff. Love it. Yeah. And there's only like room in my mind for one French character. So as soon as I heard the French words, I assumed it was Batroc. Oh yeah, it's, it, quite good. I I hope we uh, see more of him in this because uh, I I like his I like his presence. I kind of love that he just barely escapes each time too. There's something great about that, <laughs> dude. Yeah, like going out of the out of the plane into the chopper and then out of that chopper into another chopper. I'm like, oh my god, this is amazing. Well, he is called the leaper. He's leaping from one thing to another. Leap, leaper, flyer. <laughs> but but he, it did seem like he should have just a little bit of an inferiority complex when he breaks out that goofy looking flying squirrel suit. And, you know, Falcon's got the wings. This man has a worse, better costume than me. I will not take it. Question six. It makes sense that Falcon can repair his own tech, but I was surprised by this. Is this something he can do in the comic books? I mean, okay, man, Falcon has been around for 30 plus years, you know, 40 plus years. 40 at least. And I have definitely not read every issue. And I guarantee there's an there's like an issue somewhere where he probably works on his own tech. But to say, is this a common thing that happens? No, not really. What I do like about him doing that, though, because I think ultimately that be, is going to not a big one, but it's it's a tiny story bit. This isn't in there for no particular reason. You saw, uh, you know, Torres kind of going like, "Hey, you need to do this right here," and he's like, "No." Anytime any of you people touch my stuff, it all starts fouling up. So, like, that's while it seems like a very kind of throwaway thing, I think that's going to be very maybe not spe specifically that, but the idea of that is going to be important going on. I think eventually his wings are not going to work. Oh, it's possible. Like that's him running out of his, uh, you know, web fluid or whatever. All of a sudden it just goes, whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh-oh. <laughs> this is Falcon 2, the sequel, so he has to lose his powers. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> We've seen him before. Oh, so right. He's got to get something uh, taken away at some point. <laughs> yeah, maybe right. he maybe he full-on becomes like Captain America and he throws that, the, that set of wings to somebody else. It may happen. Uh, let's go on to uh, number seven here. Speaking of which, does it feel like Tor uh, Torres is going to be a giant pain in this show? Sean? Well, I know who Torres is, uh, but I feel like I'm subscribing to Jackass Quarterly when I start talking about it. So why don't you? Well, I, I didn't know. Here's what I want to go. I just want to go granular here. 
I didn't think he did anything that makes me think he's going to be a giant pain. I think he's going to be helpful. Okay. So here's, like, like genuinely, he didn't annoy me in any way. Here's where it got me. Number one, he's always kind of doing something that seems a little bit weird and off. When uh, they're both in Tunisia there, he, he's pulling out the phone. I don't know what he's doing on the phone. He's He gets uh, he gets Falcon to say something. Like he said something in Arabic, and he goes, oh, I didn't know you spoke Arabic. Say that again, which is super weird and odd. He's going into the flag smasher things. No one knows where he's going. He's doing this kind of you know undercover stuff. In the world of military, uh, you don't be going out and doing your own little missions and stuff. And I, it just seems super odd and strange to me. I, I, I don't like that guy. I find him, I find him shifty. Uh, well, I, I just think he's he's like wants to help, but he doesn't have the proper gear. I mean, I'm used to Jimmy Olsen going out on his own, trying to help, getting in trouble. Superman. Rescue damn him. you, Leslie. Damn you. That's where <laughs> I was headed. Damn you. Sorry, man. Sorry. That's why I try to let others go first once every seven questions. <laughs> uh, what are we on here? Number eight. In the opening action sequence, my son told me Sam's contact on the ground, Joaquin Torres, who we've been talking about, beca uh, became Falcon in the comics once Falcon became Captain America. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that my 13-year-old is now schooling me in comics? Uh, welcome, sir. Welcome. I, I cannot uh, state to you enough how great a resource it is. I, I watch no anime. I, I, I read no manga. I don't know anything about any of these things except for the stuff that, you know, is like the super most popular stuff. Yeah. I, I, however, my daughter is so well-versed in everything that if I have a question about anything, I can just ask her. And she's a very valuable resource because she knows I, I, I just want it distilled down. I don't need to hear like when somebody goes, uh, Hey, what's up with Superman? And then somebody starts with, well, see in the golden age, like I don't want any of that <laughs> stuff. Like just, like, like break it down in two sentences for me. And she totally is able to do that. And it's a wonderful resource to have. And I'll say it makes me proud because I haven't like forced him into it. He's just on his own, man. He's telling me everything about the deceased event that happened to DC that I know nothing about. The uh, guy is now uh, passing me on current events in comics. I just want the fact that you're calling him guy instead of boy. Boy. <laughs> uh, I, I just want to know, was the single tear of, of joy or, or just a pain? <laughs> he sat on his nuts. <laughs> that was it <laughs> number nine bruce you seem like someone who has a list of people you need to exact revenge on do you think bucky's list is too short or too long i think it's too short by one name <laughs> <laughs> you know it's Perfect. a big list when it's got to be in a moleskin notebook <laughs> Well, yeah. he he's also got the page flipped, which made me go, "Oh wow!" Like he's got uh, he's got a bunch of people on there, and you know, Zemo's like like at almost like at the end of that list. And I well, was like, might be Geez. alphabetical. <laughs> <laughs> he's very meticulous. I always, I always smite my enemy in proper alphabetical order. <laughs> I'm not going out of order. It's just it's a bad silly. day for you, Aaron Aronsky. <laughs> Number 10, uh, this show seems like it's a bit edgier than the other offerings on Disney+. Plus. It's more violent, It's a and there's a bit of language in it. How does this more mature nature of this show strike you guys? I don't I, think, I think... I'm sorry, go ahead, Bruce. Go no, ahead. please, Sean. I think we're going to say the same thing again. Go ahead. I don't think that it's... I don't think it's any more violent than any of most of the other stuff on Disney, to be honest with you, Adam. I think that... But I think that because it's in... 
there's more of a warlike setting to this show that it feels that way. But I don't think that we have more like there's there's definitely no gore, but there's there's no there's nothing that makes me like go, oh, boy, like I'm glad that a kid isn't watching this. There was nothing in this episode, not in this episode, at least for sure. And and I just kind of want to build on what Sean said there. We Disney and just kind of like our uh, American standards in general have no problem with violence. What we have is a problem with showing the actual consequences of violence. Right, right. So you can be as violent as you want, as long as bones don't break through the skin, blood doesn't fly around, that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Cause, but uh, I mean, people like, it's, it's not like Batman, the animated series where all the bullets always miss and your uh, villains fall in a big, you know, thing of water or something like that. Here, people are getting shot, guns are going off. And I, I think you're right, Sean. The military. Uh, you know, aspect of it does kind of, uh, I guess, maybe take a little bit of attention off that to where it's like, well, of course, this is what they're doing. They're not going to be sending each other, you know, nasty letters or anything. They're going to be shooting at each other. For some reason, you know, our our regional uh, standards for television and movies, it's okay for somebody to get shot once and drop dead. But if they get shot once and survive, but you see some blood come out, then that's that's not appropriate. So right. it's you better right. to show bloodless murder than a survivor who bleeds. You are right. The next episode to be directed by Eli Roth. So let's see what happens. <laughs> That's not true. You can, show as, you can show as much of the chowder bucket as you want as long as there's no nipple and they're cool with it. Yeah. That's pretty much right. Number 11. Do you think Sam is ever annoyed that all he got is wings, but Rhodey has a whole suit? Yeah, I think he thinks about it every day. <laughs> That's all, you know me, guys. You know that that would just drive me nuts. What's Rody? Why is Rody so special? How come Rody's got the suit and I've got these chicken wings out there? I mean, anybody <laughs> could shoot me literally anywhere on my body other than my shoulder blades, and I have no protection. Rody, he's basically a walking tank. What gives here, guys? I like to think that Sam is a real giant egotist who's like, they got to see my face, bro. I got to keep it open. I got to let everybody <laughs> see who it is because, you know, there could be there could be anybody in that warm machine suit but you know what you look at falcon you see it falcon baby I, I going with... I... Nope, go ahead if, if i were sam i know i would say the only way to make it fair is we each get one wing and we each get half a suit <laughs> and then when nobody's happy it's fair the uh I, I would say that to 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 go with your runner of of uh sam as an egotist that he doesn't believe he needs a whole <laughs> suit of armor <laughs> all i need are these wings because i'm so awesome Oh, do you get shot a lot? I, I guess you would need that whole suit if you get uh, shot a he's lot. He's literally encased in uh, adamantium or something over there, and he got a broken back. What have I got? And I literally fling around on two pieces of metal a thousand feet in the air, and I'm good to go. He likes to keep his reflexes really fast and everything, just going whoosh, and just throw that up because, man, if you, your reflexes aren't fast, you're catching a bullet butt quick. Who do you think invented that cannonball move from the air? Me, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Question 12. number 12. This comes from Kev, aka Will Billy. Will Billy. How do superheroes pay for things? And I'll add, this is this is me, sweet Shanzi adding. If you were gonna ask for a loan, would you go to the world's smallest bank like Sam did? 
I'm glad that they actually uh, are addressing this because it's something that you know we I think we've all thought about from time to time with comics and stuff over the years. It's like, what do these people do? You know, uh, Superman doesn't have a pizza route on the weekend. That's Spider Man. But you know, outside of that, what what are people really doing for the bread? All superheroes in the Marvel universe make their living by selling pictures of Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> Huge demand for those Spider-Man pictures. <laughs> <laughs> don't think, show up with no picture of Wong. You know, don't show up with a picture of a sidekick. You got to have Spider-Man. I think that each each universe has its character that explains the, the money issues. Like for, for Marvel, it's Spider-Man. It's always about money with Spider-Man. Because he's, you know, like always broke and, you know, like not everything is perfect in his life and yada, yada, yada. You see why Spider-Man's my favorite character? (laughs) But for, in in the DC universe, the character that does this is usually um, Booster Gold. Yeah. Booster Gold is always about money. And so all you heard about was money during the Justice League International days because Booster's like, I can't believe, I can't believe how much money we're making. Like he's slapping logos on his costume like a NASCAR driver. Right. (laughs) And so to, to have a, a, a different perspective, a different point of view to have him be like, yeah, I'm an Avenger, but you know, like no one's paying me for that. It, 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 it's nice to see. It's nice to see. I think they make their living from like speaking engagements. Yes. You know, you know how like famous people get paid a bunch of money to go speak somewhere and say absolutely nothing inspiring, but they're famous. Yeah, I think it's something like that. Or a politician. Or, or, or it's like the, the B-list actor who is not funny, but he does a lot of stand-up because his name sells tickets. Something mm, like right. that. Or you think Sam isn't on Cameo? Oh, <laughs> you know he's on Cameo with the wings. Nobody wants to pay for a Cameo without the wings. I well, actually, this episode would make me certainly think that he would not be on cameo because he's like he, he wants to kind of know. He's like, all right, this guy's gonna figure out that I'm Falcon any second now. And he's, who do I know you from? Oh, I'm not gonna tell you. You're gonna try to figure it out. That's right. I'm that guy that you know. Now approve us. <laughs> and of course, it's a. Uh, I I like that whole uh, standard and everything because I think. Even despite, you know, the fact that, you know, it could be a racism thing. That's obvious. Uh, But he's probably very right in as much as with half the world's population, you know, disappeared, they would be like, we need to start making a whole bunch of money. They would start approving a whole lot of things. And when everybody came back, things would dry up. So some of that stuff makes sense as well. So it doesn't feel like it's, you know, just racism. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's a pretty good scene because it does apply through two different lenses. I mean, absolutely. You can apply the, the racism lens there, especially when he's like, did you play for LSU? Because you know, that is probably one of those microaggressions where every black person gets asked if they're an athlete, you know, that's got to get old. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you have the idea that like the banks only want to make loans to people who don't need loans. And that has been a longstanding problem since about the mid eighties, I think. So, so you can relate to it on two different levels. You know, so I think it was pretty good, pretty clever. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Unless you're a banker. As for the world's smallest bank, that's exactly where I go. I go, okay, this place must be desperate for business. I bet they'll bend over backwards to, to finance me. Yeah, you could put like, uh, you know, we we help Falcon or whatever, man. You could use that to your advantage big time, I would think. I yeah, he was in an Xbox commercial. 
Yeah. I, no offense, Anthony Mackie, but uh, you did not look like you were super stoked to be there for that Xbox ad that I keep seeing. He's just like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm, I'm doing the stuff. The paycheck cashed, I guess. <laughs> Let's go to thirteen here. Does Sam's family feel real to you? I love it because yes, it does. It yeah. feels very real. Um, it's it, it, there's like something about it that feels like something you wouldn't generally see. You know what? Let me go backwards on this. Speaking as a white man from a lily white suburb in Connecticut, uh, nobody knows more about, about African-Americans plate than me. (laughs) Uh, It just, it feels very tactile and very real. I don't know how real it is being the whitest white man who ever whited, but it feels real to me and genuine. I feel like I know a lot about shrimp and family since I've seen Forrest Gump, so I think they feel real. Of course, of course, that's where all of ever that's where everybody's background in shrimping comes from. <laughs> I I love them all so much. They we get more uh, just we 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 know who Sam is now. We're we're finally seeing where he kind of comes from because we really don't have a lot of that backstory from him. Uh, to, so to see his family to like in the span of like, you know, what, 15 minutes or something, we get so much information. We know everything about them. The interplay feels like it's, you know, as real as it can get in Hollywood and stuff, because obviously we've got to, you know, chop it up and make it good, good and entertaining and whatnot. But everyone feels like a real thought out person who has a backstory that people have thought of and put into play. It, it doesn't feel like we have any placeholder characters here. It, it feels nice and genuine. And I, I really like that. And I, it's, it brings another level of gravitas to this show that I think many other shows would just, you know, easily paint over and go like, eh, you know, that's his sister and all that kind of stuff, whatever. There is one problem I have with this backstory and and it's just that the name of the boat it would have been fine if it was just Sam's sister's boat or whatever but we learn that their their parents own the boat and the name of the boat is is the name of the parents so what kind of egomaniac buys <laughs> That's a why boat? they're in all this financial trouble. It was a vanity project. <laughs> and they just scroll. Hey, hey, Paulette, what would she what should we name our boat? Oh, Paulette and John? Yeah, let's do that. All right, whatever their name is. <laughs> I, I are. like the conversation at the boat dealership where the guy's actually saying, you know, this boat only costs half as much and you can catch just as many shrimp. No, 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 no. If our name's going on it, we need a Cadillac of boats. We need the Rolls Royce of shrimp boats if we're putting our name on it. And from that moment forward, I like to think that the the family was as secure middle class as could be. They bought that boat. It's like a money pit. They're constantly putting money into it. And they can't admit they made a mistake. When anyone comes aboard, it's like, welcome to the SS me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're the galleys over here. <laughs> I like it. They pull up to the port oh. authority. We need to see some ID. Uh, names on the boat. Look at the boat. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Number fourteen. Let's let's move on from this boat talk before we say something terrible. Hot boat talk. Maybe it's already too late. Number fourteen on Twitter. Apple Scruff said he initially thought Bucky's psychiatrist was Edie Falco. That was the moment I discovered it wasn't Edie Falco. Do you guys think that was really Edie Falco, but maybe she's in witness protection because of the Sopranos was all real? <laughs> it was real. That was a documentary, and the events occurred in real time. I think we all know that. 
Uh, I, I thought it was her for half a second, but no. This uh, this actress, I can't remember her name off the top of my head, but when you look at her IMDb, she's got a gajillion things. There's a reason why she looks familiar. Uh, Amy uh, Aquero, I think is is Aquino, Aquino maybe. maybe. Uh, she's fantastic. She's in a gajillion things. She is a TV powerhouse. She's You name a television show that's been syndicated somewhere, there's a good chance she's been on at least one episode. That lady works. Yeah, she does. I, I actually like her more uh, than I like Edie Falco. Um, Edie Falco has a, a, a grading presence to me that this lady does not. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's just it, maybe it's because of that Sean Connery movie I saw her in in the in the 90s or whatever, you know, where he finds yeah. the cure for cancer and loses it. But I, I I find I find her an annoying presence and I do not find Amy Aquino annoying yeah my my son schooled me on comic books we watched this together but i schooled him on edie falco he had no idea who edie falco was so idiot for me. did you did you finish it with that <laughs> you said, idiot son she was on the sopranos he said she's a singer and i said oh that's mind. great go to your he, room he and does, think about what you've done he doesn't know what a sopranos is that's great stupid kids question 15 uh, 15. How many guys do you think Red Wing killed in this episode? <laughs> First of I all, think, I love ahead. that Red Wing. I love it because having an actual bird would just be silly and dumb. This auto, you know, automated thing that clearly has some sort of AI or thing in it or whatever because it's going around doing all of the right things. Yeah. I love it. And man, oh man, it, what, you're, the only other thing that you could say is it is a killer, man. It's going after people and just nuking them down left it's and got right. I missiles, love it. not just bullets, missiles. Now, is Red Wing totally a new thing? Like, I thought maybe I missed it in one of the Avengers movies and it's been there before. It's new to this show because one of the things you probably, re the part, uh, the only reason why I know this is because at some point we we spoke about Bruce how uh, Falcon has that bird yeah Red Wing you know in, in the in the comics and so we were wondering if they were ever going to give him that bird and they just gave him a computer with the same name yeah they gave him a little a little drone with the same thing I I love that I love that the 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 drone the drone has its own personality and that personality is bloodthirsty killer. <laughs> That's what I like about it. I also know myself pretty well. So I know if I had that set up, eventually it would just be Red Wing doing the missions while I was like having a sandwich or something. <laughs> Go get them, Red Wing. Guys, can't we? Don't send come back till they're all gone. Oh, you did a bad job, Red Wing. Go back out there and do it again. We'll send him up in the air. He's he's so much better. He's tiny. People aren't going to even see him. He's going to go in and kill. It'll be fine. I don't want to go is what I'm saying. There's also something very cool and very overlooked. But the second time I saw it, I noticed this, is there's a little battle of the planets going on with oh, Red Wings yes. and with Falcon. Great catch. He can turbocharge once that thing is on his back. And that is a very huh. battle of the planets thing. And for uh, folks, before you send emails, it's also a very Gatchaman thing. Yes, also Gatchaman. <laughs> also, also they had a different. Oh, G Force. That's yeah. another name. G Force. Sixteen. There are so many location changes in this show. If you're Sam, do you get bored on a commercial flight? That's like asking a Formula One racer how they feel on a Greyhound. Of course, he gets bored, man. I think he probably. Doesn't take him unless he absolutely has to because of some kind of regulation or something. 
But like he's he's in Tunisia, then he's over in uh, D.C., then he's over in uh, New Orleans. He's all over the place, man. And I would just be like, for a guy that can you know fly whenever he wants to, boy, that's got to be a drag. You guys are overlooking something here, which is that, yes, he probably gets bored on a commercial flight, but the man can sleep when someone else is flying. <laughs> I think he could tell Red Wing to take the will and even sleep with his wings on. <laughs> oh, man, that's so funny where he's just like his back is just like in a question mark. And his, his legs and <laughs> arms are akimbo. Oh, my God, that's great. <laughs> that's so good. And it's all stark technology and stuff. So, you know, it's got all that GPS and all that kind of crap in there. So it could do it itself, you would think. And Shit, just, we're screwed. It's Sleepy Falcon. Red Wing's taking over. I've just decided what I want my superpower to be. I want to be able to sleep anytime I want to, no matter the situation. Red uh, Wing's trying to shake them to wake them up when there's enemies around. No, he's way more murderous when Red Wing's in control. He's way more murderous. Yes. Dead is asleep. I get to murder people now. This oh, is great. my God. Falcon sleeping. Run for your life. <laughs> I love it. That's when he's at his most dangerous. 17, Bruce. After spending years with cool names like the Winter Soldier and the White Wolf, is it hard go, Is it hard to go back to a goofy name like Bucky? This is another thing that bothers me about this character. I, I love Bucky. I love the character of Bucky. I love him to death. But, you know, I had a friend growing up. His name was Tommy. Everybody called him Tommy. Not a single human being calls him Tommy now. It's either Thomas or Tom. Bucky, you are 109 years old. Have people call you Buck. Or how about James? I was going to say, James also is works. really the best one. It's like, hi, my name is James. People call me Bucky. At least that's like a, a nice introduction of like, I'm Bucky. Like, how, how is the person that my you're talking to? My name is not Bucky. Not it's James, Mr. Buchanan, if you're nasty. I don't know. <laughs> it's got a, it's, it's, it's weird. It's weird being called Bucky. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. Particularly if he ever had to have braces or anything, you know? <laughs> that's what does he well after the braces you know the bucky no longer applies 18 he's killed at least 30 people he's been brainwashed for at least 80 years and he's constantly wearing leather gloves is bucky the worst date you could ever go on better than at least seven i've been on <laughs> <laughs> all i can I, think I, of i think of i think of that scene in when Harry met Sally, where she, where she's describing the worst date she's been on, and she goes, "He plucked out one of my hair, and he used it as dental floss." Oh, <laughs> it's been a while. just an an amazing moment in that movie where you're like, "Oh, really, really intelligent people have written this," and and so I I think of Bucky as like that level of bad date, and I don't know if it's a, a matter of pride or shame. But usually I'm the one responsible for the bad date. So at least I got that going for me. <laughs> I just I'm looking at him and the fact that he's got to wear these gloves and stuff all the time. Oh, I would be so hot all of the time. And it's just like, no, I just I have to wear these gloves. And she doesn't push him on it at all. She doesn't push him on any of these issues. It's like, haha, cute joke. Moving on to the next thing. She doesn't she doesn't press much. And I thought that was uh, interesting to say the least. Yeah. Uh, then again, maybe she's like, I just got to uh, uh, get through this and we never have to do it again. So sometimes it's like, it's like you could ask the question and get into a, a, a bunch of ridiculous stuff, or you could just pretend you don't notice the guy with the pet kangaroo and keep walking. <laughs> it's true. 
Yeah, it's a it's an it's an awkward first date, and uh, it wasn't it didn't make the cut for the questions. But Sean had a question, basically asking like, "Is this you know th- this as far as a first date goes?" And uh, I I've never uh, shown up to someone's work and be like, "Well, I guess we're staying here for the date because I picked you up at work." That's a really weird and odd and, choice. And I, I guess what I would use for an analog, and and you may not have noticed this, Adam, because I can be really subtle. But sometimes I used to say ridiculous statements just to get a reaction from Sean, and he was wise enough not to react. Maybe that's what's going on here. (laughs) Quite possibly. Number 19, what did you guys think of Henry Jackman's score on this? uh, It's wonderful. I am so bad about that. I only notice it when it's bad, so I guess if I didn't notice it, I must have liked it. Like, I'm terrible with, with giving due credit for good music. Oh, it's so wonderful. It feels like it's it's a continuation of what has come before, but it's its own thing. It's just wonderful. And he came on uh, originally with um, with Winter Soldier and stuff and ended up in the Marvel camp and doing a lot of Marvel stuff. But uh, he's been uh, one of these really solid guys for about the past 20 years or so. And uh, I, I really like it, and I think he does a fantastic job here. He scores all the episodes uh, for this show, so uh, I'm excited. It's just, it's so nice to hear good, solid scores, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that in another show that we do of, about scores and stuff later. So, well, you know, Alan Silvestri is like I, I I think I've stated in the past. Alan Silvestri is the Burger King of of uh, of movie soundtracks you know he he does a very good job he's not john williams uh of i i don't know all of this man's work but alan silvestri better look behind him to see who's just behind him because this this soundtrack is just great yeah guys like him and uh what's the what's the other guy matt something or other there, there's a, there's just a handful of these upcoming guys that are really starting to take over and since williams is uh retired and everything uh we're, we're gonna start to see a couple of these big dudes take the spots of of major composers in uh in Hollywood. what do you think john williams is doing for money now that he's retired i'm worried about <laughs> poor fella he's 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 getting his pension it's tough to live on social security alone well i mean he's got that nice pension from when he was in the in the war okay that <laughs> the first world war that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah that 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 does help that's like 72 bucks a month now I was in WWI, WWII <laughs> in Korea. <laughs> they wouldn't let me go to Vietnam because I was too old. <laughs> too handsome. <laughs> Number 20. Number 20. A battleship-based drinking game seems like the best first date ever. Why didn't I know about this when I was single? Because you weren't creative enough to go to a bar that's empty at night and sit with a person that you just met, which seems really odd and strange to play Battleship. And is what numbers? It's, and it's stuff weird. Was- it's weird if you bring your own Battleship game in with you to the bar. All right, it? that is weirder. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> so I won't do that. Booze connect. I, I, I whittled these ships myself. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I look any any game can become a drinking game if you try hard enough. But I think that you know there is something very fun about uh, about drinking Battleship, and I hope it catches on. I like how she basically yeah. goes, "You could put him away, can't you?" And he's like, "Glug glug." 
<laughs> I've seen shit, lady. <laughs> Things have happened in my time, okay? <laughs> I am 109 years like, old. I wasn't lying. Wow, you drink like you have a hollow leg. It's technically an arm, but close, we'll get into that later. Close. To which she would just laugh it off and go, ha, <laughs> you. I need to warn you before we go back to your place. I have to keep my glove and one sleeve on or it'll get weird. <laughs> how, how, how do you feel about Cable? Is he somebody that you're attracted to or... Only when the eyes lit up. <laughs> Do you ever watch a Terminator and think to yourself, yes, please. <laughs> 21. Did you find it weird that in the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, Falcon and Winter Soldier aren't actually ever in the same room? That's kind of a cool question because I didn't even notice it. Then when you read the question, I think, yeah, that that is something I should have thought about. I feel like they have to get together by the second episode. I, I don't think you can oh, parlay doubt, this much yes. more <laughs> and oh, call this show that. Yes. It's going to be like Sam and Diane. Once they get together, the show's no good. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> I mean, the catalyst is is this new Captain America. I mean, there's, there's no way that those two aren't going to be hanging out here discussing what happened. Yeah, that's an eyebrow lifter for both of those guys. Uh, I can picture it now. They're playing Drunk Connect 4. <laughs> 22 uh do we see zemo by the next episode oh yeah without oh you think so oh, okay yeah. i'm thinking they're going to hold back on that one i think that it's either going to be one of two ways because it's marvel so they're either going to do the subversion of expectation by it's the first thing you see in the second episode or it's <laughs> going to be the, the at the very very end where like who could possibly be behind this? And then you see him in his Hannibal Lecter like prison. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking they're going to do that, but I could be way off. Now, I think uh, after we, we've had enough, uh, Daniel Brule's had enough set up as Zemo. I think at this point that um, I think the latest, the latest they could do in this six episode series is put him in, in the third show. That's the latest that they could possibly do, but I feel like he's got to start showing up uh, pretty soon because, you know, it's, first of all, I, I can't wait to see him because that guy's a fantastic actor. So put him in a bad Man, guy got, role, you got my money. They just got so much to work with without Zemo. I, I, I'm just, I have no idea. I don't think he's going to come in early. I think he's going to be a smaller deal than we expected, but what do I know? Well, when have you been wrong on these shows? So fair Only most of the time. <laughs> 23. As we all have. In the comics, Flag Smasher is an individual, but in the show it appears to be an organization. Do you think maybe it's an I am Spartacus situation and we will eventually see a singular Flag Smasher? I think I have this nailed. I do too, so I want to hear yours. I think that Emphy's Nest is Flag Smasher and her her group is also flag smasher. I don't think that they'll probably, they probably won't come out and just call her flag smasher, but I think that that is, that is what's going to happen here. I think yeah. that I know her character's name is a feminized version of one of the flag smashers names. Mm -hmm. And, uh, the, the name Flag Smasher, it's like, and it's not fair to compare this to anything on the Netflix incarnation, but they didn't call Full Killer, Full Killer. They didn't call Nuke, right. Nuke. So they probably won't call Flag Smasher, Flag Smasher. You're right. Which is a good, which is a good call, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. 
I, I don't know from nothing uh, about the, the history of Flag Smash or anything, but my, my initial thought was perhaps we saw him at the uh, we saw the head of this or at least, you know, one of the big ones at the end of this episode. Say, say that again, Adam, the, the new Captain America. I, that's that's I automatically was just like, well, watch him be the uh, the the uh, the head of this Flag Smashing thing. Well, he's Johnny Walker, so we'll talk about that more later. Reminds me, I gotta go to the store. I know you hate it when I say that, Sean. Sorry. <laughs> She's in the back room making Johnny Walker red. Yeah. 24, Sean. 24. What a huge twist in the first episode. Ego, the living planet's son, is the new Captain America. Who's gonna be the bigger bad? The new cap or the government scumbag who put this all together? Adam. Uh, well, usually the answer with me is the government, uh, <laughs> but, uh, what? that I know, doesn't sound like you seems, seems odd coming from me. I, I know, but, um, I, I think it's going to be hand in hand for sure. Uh, I, I, I'm, you know, Wyatt, uh, Russell coming in, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, there are reasons some people have beards. <laughs> well, you know, cut the guy some slack. He played hockey for a long time, so he probably got all his teeth knocked out. Well, it's got nothing to do with the teeth. It's more like, mm, I don't know. It just looked like a, a kid dressed up in a Captain America costume where you take their picture and they're smiling. They look super cute, but never intimidating. When, when your chin is too close to your nose, it's because there's no teeth in between. Hi, guys. It's true. It's true. <laughs> so it's like bitter beer face there. You know, also, you know, there's just some people who don't have a head for a mask. You know, like I, my head... I've got a gigantic Pat Sajak-sized head. So, like, if I'm wearing a baseball cap, it's a pretty rare occasion. Uh, but guaranteed, it's the biggest. It's the biggest baseball cap that they that they sell. So, like, when it comes to somebody like 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 uh, like Russell here, he's like, he just doesn't. He his head isn't made for masks, and I can almost guarantee you that's on purpose. Almost guarantee it. Uh, well, I'm lucky. My mom told me I had a face made for wearing a mask, so that's good. <laughs> oh, please wear wear one that covers everything. No, no, no. Let's go for the Rorschach one that covers the whole thing. Thank you. Ski mask, sunglasses. Way to dress. <laughs> 25, this one comes to us from Marty. Do you, uh, we haven't quite seen this yet, but you know what's coming. Do you think the love-hate-buddy-cop relationship between these two will start grading after a while? There's always the chance of that. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. But, you know, again, though, like, it's this is Marvel. Uh, I think that they're going to do a pretty damn good job getting you to a point where you're like, Man, these two, they just they just got it all figured out. Like, I really yeah. just feel like that's what's going to happen. I mean, my experience with team ups in Marvel, at least in the MCU, is that they they focus the hate on really just witty banter that yeah. no one has any legitimate ill feelings about. That's true. No, exactly. Like like we had in that, you know, moment in the car of move your seat up. No, that like there's going to be a little bit of that, perhaps. And some so fun, fun jabs back and forth. But I, I don't know, you know, it doesn't need to be 48 hours. Well, well, <laughs> if you've watched 48 hours recently, because I've seen it in the last two years, that movie is, let's just call it problematic. Not the on. movie you might remember, Adam. Right. It, it has been a while. I've been looking for it, but all you can find on the internet as far as streaming stuff is another 48 hours. I'm like, I don't want to watch that one. Very, very inappropriate language. And at the same time, I think Nick Nolte ad-libbed it all from the heart. <laughs> Sometimes you just do what you want to do on set and they let you do it. I don't know. 
everything I thought that was funny from 48 hours was actually from Beverly Hills cop. And it's I just true. It wrong. It's true. I, I had, I had a soft spot in my heart for the original 48 hours until I saw it again. <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. Let's move on from this. Look, Walter Hill, you're, you're an amazing, uh, you're an amazing writer when you're an amazing writer. This isn't one of those moments. Yeah, he's, he has a history of like, I can make stuff really great or I can really screw it all up. He's got a long mm -hmm. history of that sort of stuff. Yeah, I kind of feel like 48 Hours was just an Eddie Murphy dress rehearsal before he went into the peak of his career. Yes, I, I agree with you 100%. 26. Do you think Chris Evans makes an appearance other than photos, footage, dreams, or flashbacks? I really hope not because what like we said, like like they've said in this show, he is that symbol. He is that guy. And not seeing him, not going to any flashbacks, and like the most we hear is like maybe some dialogue from previous stuff kind of echoing in the back of Sam's head. Outside of that, I don't want any of that because he's so much more uh, of a meaningful character if we don't have him come back in any way, shape, or form. And he's always just this grand idea in the back of our minds. And I agree with everything that you just said, Adam. Save this. If Chris Evans does come back, I want him as a super old man, yes. and I want him living on a base on the moon. Oh, now, because why bring it up otherwise? And that's kind of where I was going, as I could see, like, maybe near the last episode when, let's just say I'm, I'm throwing out a, a generic scenario. Falcon is ready to give up, and he's getting ready to walk out of the room, and just quietly from a dark corner of the room, you hear the old man version of Chris Evans' voice say, wait a minute, Sam. And then he gives him a great speech, a win one for the Gipper type speech, and he goes mm -hmm. out there and saves the day. I did like uh, somebody photoshopped a thing together that was pretty much uh, old Captain America, uh, Dr. Manhattaning it up on the moon. <laughs> Love it. It was Love super it. good. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. 27. Carrie Scoglin directed this episode. She's been a director since 1994. And in the last few years, she's directed Walking Dead, A Handmaid's Tale, and The Americans. How do you think she did? She did good on The Walking Dead and The Handmaid's Tale, but I haven't seen The Americans. Uh, fantastic. Uh, it, it had all of the elements that I was looking for in this show, which was great action, pathos with characters. I, You know, you feel emotions for stuff. You, you, you want to... Uh, you want to go along with these characters in this story. And uh, it, fantastic job so far. So big fan. And, you know, if I can use the sports analogy, which, you know, I'm famous for, mm -hmm. if the team wins, they must have a good coach. So this was a good episode. So I guess they have a good director. Oh, that's I'm some not, classic Leslie right there. Yeah, I'm not smart enough to know more than that. <laughs> I think that she was pretty damn impressive. Because not only is she directing this thing, she's directing this thing from nothingness. You know, if if you if if you are ten percent off, this is not nearly as good of a, a of a show. And she got the tone right. I, I, I but honestly, I don't know if that's her tone wise. That's probably more like the Marvel like like the the Marvel brain trust probably has that but man she is i i thought she did a, a bang up job and she has proven again and again that she's very good at this because bruce the americans is a damn fine show and she directed the walking dead before it started being literally a zombie of a show so <laughs> and every episode of the handmaid's tale is pretty tightly directed so that's why i don't know how she did on the americans she's good on those other two 
And and pilot directors are always kind of the person who really sets the tone for a it's series. True. So it's like, true, and they usually strong. They usually have a real crap kicker. Huh? See what I did? Nice. They usually have a real crap kicker there to to really lay down the law, and th- they definitely have that person. I think that the look of the show is so unique to the show that it's uh, it's going to set the path for the next. And, and, you know, I understand a little bit, like I know there are second unit directors and there are people that come in for specific scenes that aren't, you know, the primary director, but I'm just going to give her all the credit and say that she also has some amazing range because that aerial battle versus the quiet moments in the bar playing drinking battleship, very different kind of parts of the, the, the palette there. And she did them both really well, in my opinion. Oh, we got to talk about that for a second. That is that is a very that is one of the things about that restaurant. That restaurant is literally where they were like they're like, look, we spent so much money on that aerial fight stuff. We we've got <laughs> it's the bottle episode within an episode. It really is because it's like it's like man, we 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 got to save some money here. Let's save it on. Okay, the- guys, the next three episode arc, we're in an elevator stuck. <laughs> <laughs> we're you know how people love the elevator scenes in Captain America: Winter Soldier? It's just that for an entire. But episode. no fight. Get this. Get this. You're trying to catch a fly. <laughs> Uh, because that 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 restaurant scene is so poorly put together. It, it it feels so much like a set. It feels so much like like yeah. Let's just put these big bundles of boxes behind him, and we'll tie rope around. It's 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 kind of awful, actually. But, but they, the little cat with the bobbing hand is well, in every like locally owned sushi place I've ever. It been. is in every and everyone's staring at the cat, and you know the the art department knows enough to know that everyone's looking at the cat, not at what's behind Bucky. But oh man, if you're looking for it, you're like, oh my god, you guys spent eleven dollars on the cat, and that's it. It's always a hint when it's just like all black everywhere except for one or two things. <laughs> it's true. We can shoot both of these scenes in one day, and we'll be good to go. <laughs> minimal setups as possible uh 28 what does it say that i felt more joy emotion and pathos in this 45 minutes of a show than i did in all four hours of Zack snyder's uh justice league cut it says that you can't pass an opportunity to take a jab at the snyder cut yes i fully agree with bro bruce said stamp that 100 percent print it you're this not wrong. This right. not That's about Falcon and Winter Soldier. Not that even, not even remotely. Else. But it no, is. No, this, but- this, no, 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 no. This question is about Adam and the Snyder Cut. This has nothing to do with Winter Soldier. I disagree. <laughs> uh, I agree, but yet disagree. Because I like, I yes, the premise you, of you where you are dealing started. with a logic fallacy right now, and Bruce and I see it, and you don't see it. I, Actually, I, I take back my new answer is, huh? I guess you're right, Adam. 29, in the comics, the U.S. agent storyline kind of boils down to the theme that governments are the bad guys. Do you think Flag Smasher will be portrayed as virtuous or heroic by the end of the season? There's a tell. The tell is that Enfy's Nest is going to be the leader of that. That's what made me think of that. (laughs) And of course, that is what's going to be. That is what Flag Smasher is going to be, of course. And of course, the government's going to be the bad guy because it's Winter Soldier, of course. And and I'm going to say that just based 100% on uh, Johnny Walker from the comics, he won't really be a straight up bad guy. He'll be a guy that wants to do good, 
but let's just say he's not so smart and he's just loyal to a fault to the, to his country. So when his country tells him to do the wrong thing, he doesn't know it's the wrong thing. So he is not a bad guy. He's just malleable. Yes. I, like I totally agree. I absolutely think that that's what's going to be the case. And that's why I love the character of us agent, because you don't get many superheroes that are just like openly dumb. <laughs> so, you know, it's a hero for the rest of us. Let's wrap it up with question 30. Five episodes left. Do Bucky and Falcon make it out alive? I I never thought they wouldn't. So what do you guys say? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I feel like they have to because uh, I think everybody likes these two guys. in this, you know, six, I was about to say issue. The six uh, episode arc and everything is probably going to be exactly like WandaVision where it is this standalone item and everything. Um but I, I feel like these two have got to go on and do at least one more thing after this. I, 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 I can't see a world where we uh, take one or two of them out. I'm taking, a, I'm taking a flyer on this. The reason why I'm asking this question is because if Joss Whedon, which he is not, uh, but if Joss Whedon were behind the show, one of these two men would be dead by the end of the season. And Marvel hasn't, Marvel hasn't pulled this off since the original Avengers when they kill Phil. And so if they were going to do it, now would be the time because everyone loves Bucky and everybody loves Sam. And this would be the thing. Yeah, it'd be a giant kick they in the throat. Just, they've just killed uh, their biggest draw in Iron Man. Yes. And they functionally killed their second biggest draw with Captain America. So I think they're in a rebuilding phase where they don't want to let anybody go unless they absolutely have to. A very excellent point. You are but, right. But I will say that if that little dog survived Preacher and one of these two guys dies, I'm done with this stuff. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I spent a whole season rooting for that dog to get eaten by a vampire and it didn't happen. Nothing doing. Well, that will do it for this episode of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, we'll be doing another one next week. 30 more questions. Uh, Bruce, in the meantime, where can we find more of your work on the Internet? I'd love for people to go check out my YouTube channel. I've got a nice uh, recent Spider-Ham video up there. If people love Peter Porker, the spectacular Spider-Ham, lots of other interesting things there while you're there. It's YouTube.com slash C slash Bruce Leslie. Please consider subscribing. I could use your help. Sean, what else? Smash that like button, ring that bell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, guys, we've got so many, just so many 30 questions shows. Just type into your podcatcher 30 questions. The first things that'll come up will be our shows where we talk about everything. Just a just a mosaic of different television shows. And, and actually, it's all television shows, isn't it? Uh, anything from, you know, you got your... You got your 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 small little shows like like Star Wars, Clone Wars to the Mandalorian to this show. I mean, everything is there, guys. Everything. And of course, check out uh, Hero Movie Podcast, where for the past seven years we've been reviewing uh, comic book movies and TV shows and stuff. Uh, it's a good old fashioned fun time. Go check that out there. And if you have any questions that you would like to get on this show, make them short and sweet and send them over to marvel30q at gmail.com. You just might make it on the show. Join us next week when we ask for another 30 questions for Sweet Sean's Kovac from the internet. Bruce Leslie, I'm Adam Portress. Falcon Punch! Oh.